Radio on Berlin. You're listening to Radio On, broadcasting live this evening with our guest. Once again, Dimitro Fedorenko, welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming again. It's 13th of March, again. 2022. Uh, and Renus, of course, in the studio here at Radio On Berlin, Central Kreuzberg. Yeah, sorry to interrupt uh, right from the start. We know that this is uh, the radio show after the last one. But uh, some uh, listeners might uh, be there for the first time. Indeed. Um, the relationship of uh, Radio One and uh, Dimitri goes back uh, to uh, the Maidan uh, uprising 2013-2014 when uh, we got through Skype a weekly report of what was going on. Ever since then, um, uh, I have been interested in, in, in the subject uh, in so far that I understand what the experts are talking about. Now that uh, Russia invading Ukraine again, uh, we uh, pick up this uh, old uh, habit of, of uh, having talks with each other about the situation, with the one exception that uh, Dimitri now lives in, uh, in Berlin and um, is in a way very much involved uh, on, say, a secondary level uh, uh, with the war in Ukraine, if you might call the people who are involved on a a first level, the people who are actually uh, standing there with uh, ammunition and and tanks and so on. So that's what we, uh, that's a background that you, uh, that might help a little bit in uh, understanding what the the following conversations will be about. Now back to the demo, the second one that was in, uh, the second big one that was in, uh, in Berlin today. Adrian. It started off at uh, we, uh, Alexanderplatz. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one was uh, Alexanderplatz. It was organized by Greenpeace, I think. Right. And then uh, it moved uh, to Brandenburgator. Yeah, we walked along uh, through Potsdamer Platz mm-hmm. and then turned right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then into Brandenburgator. Yeah, yeah, and a beautiful sunny day. Um, little chilly wind, but yeah, beautiful blue skies, springtime. Oh, so you didn't yeah. go under the Linde? No. That avoided uh, the uh, the <laughs> encounter in front of the Russian embassy. So. Uh, but you were saying, Dimitro, ah. that you were in front of the Russian embassy today. Yeah, usually we we go uh, with friends directly to Unter der Linden and to bring them the same as today to uh, through Russian embassy. And today, what was new? There was a small stage uh, which uh, there were. It was called, I think, Russians against war. And they had uh, flags which I never saw before. Uh, it was white, blue, white, oh. which um, I think it's apparently flag of Novgorod. But I heard that there's some sort of um, free movement, or I don't know. So this was uh, I, w- I need to read about it also t- for me today, tonight, uh-huh. because this uh, I never saw this before. Mm. And they had small stage. They would play some songs there, mm. and somehow tried it to blend in, so to say. But also was smart enough that they didn't bring Russian flags. Uh, for our listener. We are talking about two different uh, demonstrations now. Mm-hmm. One that uh, followed the route from uh, Alexanderplatz to uh, mm. uh, Posamerplatz, Leipziger Straße, 
which is uh, a parallel street to Unter der Linde, which goes from the palace to the Brandenburger <laughs> Tor. Oh, okay. So that's how these people were um, uh, demonstrating at the same time. And mm-hmm. Adrian was with the one that didn't pass the uh, Russian embassy. And Dimitri, you, yours was uh, organized by? Vice. Uh, it's an organization. Uh, so Ukrainians made Vice uh, basically in Ukrainian, it means gathering. And it's uh, they immediately organized together with I think Pelesky Institute, which is uh, in front of Brandenburg Tor, in front of the U.S. Embassy, next to Starbucks, mm-hmm. in the corner. They have this office, and basically it's a headquarter of, uh, um, I would say, main headquarter of Ukrainian resistance. Okay, mm-hmm. so you've got all the footnotes now, and <laughs> back <laughs> to the live report <laughs> of what's <laughs> happening in front of the <laughs> Russian Embassy with the Novgorod flags and the Siberian flags. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this what this what uh, we've noticed when we arrived there, and then we uh, were walking around and uh, um, yeah, and also not just standing there because as I told you before, you know, before before we started this, started to talk about it that also for us these demos um, are not only to come uh, like to be present at a demo, but it's also a meeting point of activists who. Um, well, well, let's say we meet new people, we meet uh, people who we know, and we exchange information of lists what is needed now in Ukraine, uh, uh, who is buying what, who is delivering what goods, uh, and we exchange this information. Then we also talk about gathering money. So it's really already like a first-hand uh, movement. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about uh, how uh, this organization, because... Uh, I think it's not an organization, but it's becoming an organization because people work together. Uh, well, okay, it's like this um, organization. If you talk about the Svicha, it's I would call it organization now because it's the others. Of, uh, the others. This is Ukrainian style. Uh, this kind of uh, we would talk about. We would say usually that Ukraine turns on Maidan mode, which means that uh, everybody helps everybody. So there's no organization per se. There's no office. It just everybody knows what who can do what, and like uh, a giant flea market with sort of other goods. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and there, there are Facebook yeah. groups. It's really horizontal organizing, like true anarchy uh, way, when everybody knows who can do what. Let's say, um, if somebody can organize buses to the border, then this person is doing this job, and then he says, "Okay, I have like ten buses," and then somebody says, I, "We have." Uh, 2,000 uh, quadcopters. Uh, we need buses, and then people connect immediately. And this, several Facebook groups, which exchange information. It's uh, mom- mom- like super in the moment. It's really really fast. And these updates of uh, usually um, very often. I don't know who is posting lists, but then we don't ask. We just see some person saying, "Okay, I have this list of medicals. I need, uh, and I have bus leaving tomorrow." And I need this amount of these medicines, and then in the next morning they have more than they need. And, and just people come and bring it. Or if somebody don't know where to buy it, then says, "Okay, I can buy it, but I need money." And then this person receives several thousand euros, like in, within moments. And then this person goes and buys it. And um, very often uh, it's, we don't know each other. It's uh, I know some people. Some people know some people. It's really organi- it's total trust, and it really moves. That's why it moves really fast. Uh, how? How does this start to visualize in in uh, in, in Berlin what uh, the people are doing? Because of course uh, there are refugees and refugees are arriving. Um, how does the organize or these organized people help them? 
In, in, in what way? For instance, uh, when uh, refugees started to uh, arrive at Haubenhof, uh, then uh, m- many of my friends, they just went as volunteers. Those, for instance, those who live in Berlin and they uh, understand language and they uh, and they doing this, um, they, they, they explain people who come completely uh, lost, who just come from the train, ask what should I do now? Yeah, really, and this like thousands of people. Mm. So mother comes with three children and says, I, I don't speak German, I don't speak English, and then what should I do now? I'm here now. Mm. And then uh, then people just standing there in this yellow vest. And then it's also somebody is just standing and meet people. Somebody knows more a little bit about organization. Somebody also we saw... Have you been at the Hobanov? Not yet. Oh, so no, because today, I today I went down there with uh, Jason mm-hmm. Oni. Uh, we made some radio and uh, first we were at the demo, like you say. Um, but then we a- almost accidentally ended up at Hobanov because we went the wrong way uh, and spent time there. And yeah, there's it. it's kind of shocking and disturbing to see um, mothers with their mm-hmm. children yes. and uh, little dogs for example yeah. uh, holding the what they have for their life yes. their life possessions or whatever they could get uh, all arriving so many 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 people like you said yes. there's people there helping them with the with these uh, day glow vests on and everything and, and then outside there is a big big humanitarian tent Guess I guess where people are uh, processed, have food, uh, etc. Apparently, it's not big enough, from what I've uh, heard. And yeah. uh, but they yeah. also sleep there, or there were people. Well, there were people in, in looking very, time. very lost, and yes. I don't know because uh. you can't go inside the tent until uh, some probably have to sleep also at the beginning sometimes. But also, um, the, as my friend who went there already, they said that uh, quite a lot of locals, like Germans, coming and just saying, "Okay, I have room yeah. for two people," we heard, and this. they just yeah. take people, and it's really a lot. It's really yeah. so Berlin helps uh, mm-hmm. full on. And this is also really amazing. So it's constantly, it's not just one accidentally, mm. it's really a lot of people coming to Hauptbahnhof and just really accepting people, accepting refugees. And then also kind of getting involved to explain what to do th- then. Literally, I saw this happening. Yeah. People going up to small yes. families and uh, saying, you know, what can I do to help? And it's, it was incredible, you know, exchanging their numbers. Yes. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but, but yeah, this is... Uh, I think the shocking thing is as well is that uh, all these are ordinary people, you know, you yes. wouldn't, you know, uh, and um, yeah. Um. Just yesterday I <laughs> met uh, three girls, uh, two of them I knew since ages. They came, so they're my friends from Kiev and they came with their small children. Ah. And for in, so I didn't even know that they were coming because many just arriving, we don't know about everyone. And I met them by accident in the city. And they were more lucky, so because somebody offered them these three three girls and uh, I think four kids just apartment in the center for one month for free, mm-hmm. so they can uh, somehow uh, settle down and come down and they have some food. So, and and then th- we spent. So when we met, we were explaining them where to go because we have all this information and um, we also spread this also as kind of a job. Uh, the social arms, how to uh, register, uh, which benefits you can have, which, what is the difference if, you're gonna, if you register as refugee or not. Because some people don't want to do it. Some people come and they are, let's say, they have money saved and they say, okay, I don't want to take someone's place. I can buy uh, myself rent for a month. And this also, um, this also goes like this. So 
basically it's still I didn't manage to get to Halbonhof because I was busy with other stuff like this mostly sending the information because it's updating every every day and now I have this uh, big lists of all the websites how to register online where to go and we, um, how much money they can get and all these things is there anything you can say now uh, any of the links that you can uh, well, it's all it's all in emails now it's yeah. all on computer because it's like, to be honest the amount of information which we have to process every day it's uh, somehow mm. already mm. abnormal and then uh, we really start to have these folders on computers mm. with documents with links uh, these different organizations or um, yeah which what to do and also for instance berlin is already super full uh, and i think by the law berlin can take only 2.5 percent so how many people how many this people I don't know. That, that? This, this I, I was not checking. Well, tens of thousands probably. Yeah. And now uh, those people who register as refugees, as much as I know, some of them were already distributed to other cities, mm. which uh, somehow I think Berlin is the main hub now still. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, those links, uh, yes. this uh, series, uh, now we uh, they are on our website and it's uh, Radio on Ukraine. So that's very easy uh, to find. And... Uh, this one is uh, part two or the second session or whatever and uh, in that one i will uh, we can put the links on the website we put the links no, this i will send later on yeah. and then you can update it of yep. course yes yeah. this whole information is collected and also i must say that um from what i know uh, there are some new laws which uh, senate uh, must implement or maybe they did already and and what is amazing they already s they start to give money before the law so it's kind of they're already working up front the situation which is also super amazing because it's happening very fast yes and this yeah. is also so people go to social amt and they receive like i don't know a few hundred bucks a few hundred euros for for the first time and then they they say but there's no law how to regulate it but say okay it's coming it's coming but we already help wow yeah. yes this is really really so let's say yes it's really stressful a lot of people are completely lost when they arrived halbenhof mm. but overall situation i would say it's more positive than negative because everybody helps mm. and then naturally people will be stressed naturally it will be more people than the help is coming mm. but i think it's it's much better than uh, you could you could think yes as i would say as previous stories with refugees and some some not not nice things so i think it's okay yeah, normally in, 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 in the world of politics, you never hear about what uh, people are doing and it doesn't uh, arrive in the news. But now it's so massive mm -hmm. that uh, suddenly this force, what, what a population can be, uh, yeah, for me, uh, I think it's very... Uh, uh, I know only the Dutch word. Go on, say Imponerend. it. <laughs> Imp imponerend. Ah, and what is that? What's a loose translation? A loose transla uh, transla translation would be that uh, that it's uh, not overwhelming, but impressing. Ah. Impressive. Ah. Impressive, yeah. But Dimitro, we uh, we did a show last Sunday, which mm -hmm. was exactly a week ago. No, we did it in, on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, sorry. Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, where am I now? Oh, yes, because yes, it was yes. uh, it was Tag. It was yes. women's, women's Day oh, on yes, uh, the 8th, right. 8th of uh, March, wasn't yes. it? Um, what's changed since then? Yeah, and how's your family? And how are your friends? Um, your, since, your the, since that time? Family live out. 
outside uh, Kiev. Yeah. yeah, but mm. uh, I still cannot convince them to move. Uh, and uh, this is also my father is so, so stubborn and he's holding his ground. And then basically it's everything around every village is uh, don't exist anymore. So this city of Irpin, Bucha, it just completely destroyed. And they, they, it took days to evacuate people. But this small village, there are some, there are few small villages who are luckily not uh, a little bit, like, I don't know, two, three kilometers outside of the front line. And yeah, they still stay there. But also, um, hopefully, some of our friends who are also in the nearby areas, they were also st waiting, waiting, but finally they would be able to send their families, like wives and girlfriends and children, already to the west and to the border, and somebody going to Slovakia, to Poland, and so on. Mm. So but, the, but the men, as far as I uh, understand, can't leave no. at the moment? No. no. So they have to stay and... Yes. Every, yeah. every man from 18 to 65 must stay, and must it's, it's global um, drafts, complete uh, mobilization. And every man, so already uh, those of my friends who joined territorial defense, they are so they're kind of assigned uh, to self defense. And some of my friends, they already uh, received um, this, I don't know how to say this, not this uh, call up or well, not, when they should arrive to the real army. So it's uh, okay, okay, and it's coming, and yeah, so artists are coming there. So m many of my friends already joined either territorial defense or army, but they, ha they haven't come from Berlin or, or any other country and gone, they're already in Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. So uh, no, also many men uh, who, for instance, who had uh, military experience in the past, from, I know about at least 80,000 came back to Ukraine who were working in Poland, in, in Italy, in mm. Portugal, mm. and those who know how to hold arms, mm. And they basically they came to Ukraine. I think since two weeks, um, al almost 250 quarter million men came back to Ukraine to like to join army or territorial defense. Mm. Yes. How do you feel about that then? Though this is really good that, that those who can do it they, they are coming. Mm. It's as I th what didn't change. It's uh, still uh, it's um, still only men who had experience in military they are accepted. Mm. Which is also smart because mm, at least now more more volunteers than arms, so there are not enough uh, Kalashnikovs, so to say, for everyone. Mm. But um, yeah, this is not no. There is no problem with people who don't want to join uh, defense. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, is there any way of uh, praising the events that have happened? I mean, everything's happening so fast today. I heard that. Uh, mayor of of one of the towns had been uh already three i think three mayors of three towns were kidnapped oh, okay and one of um, one of local districts were kidnapped they're trying to create in Kherson another so-called people republic mm. but people went in protest so basically Kherson is partly occupied and people go with bare arms and just uh, protesting in front of military Russians. Mm -hmm. They with flags. They didn't want to have any people's republicans and, uh, and stuff. Mm. Where, where is Kherson? It's south. Oh. It's uh, close to Crimea. Okay. Yeah. And twenty-five kilometers uh, off the Polish border. And today, and today, and today, Lviv was attacked, mm. which yes. is very close to the Polish. Yes, it's quite border. close to the mm. Polish border, and it, it's it's one of the most western cities, like the biggest city on the on east of Ukraine. And today, they Russians sent thirty missiles, West. 
on the west, yes. And today Russian missile, Russians sent 30 missiles uh, and they destroyed one, uh, this, uh, not airports, I would know how to say, this tra tra training ground for airplanes next to Lviv. 30 people were killed and more than almost 200 were injured. Mm -hmm. And a lot of destruction also. So now uh, western part of Ukraine is being bombed the same as any other place. So I would say uh, in this case situation got worse. Uh, mm. The only thing, they uh, didn't take any new city. Mm. So kind of they tried to, um, I don't know, English terminology, when tanks can go offense and they just uh, put themselves in the ground. So they're kind of lost, more hidden. So right. they, they're trying to hold the positions. Mm. That's what we heard recently from our from our army. Mm. But it's also stupid because uh, Ukraine, we have this Turkish Bayraktar these amazing drones which fly really high and they're invisible and they they so when the tanks is not moving it's much easier to to destroy it ah. i also i mean just before we play the first track <laughs> um i heard that there were these drones that you could the the, the that were uh what, what's the word uh they've been changed in some kind of way that they can hold molotov cocktails so they can um, drop them so it, some about kind of Molotovs, I didn't hear, but from, from drones. Yeah, but 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 um, some activists they um, opened up the the hidden things that they so there was development of drones in Dnipro ah. uh, before the war, mm. and they were not uh, telling it to anyone. Also for the reasons of the, so Russians couldn't know it, and they were getting ready. So there are also some Ukrainian drones which uh, which can throw some explosives to mm. um, to arms vehicles yes it's definitely something that uh that developed there but i can see it later on in berlin where people have their beers delivered by by drones so well i'm sure if not, it's not if, dropped though, if if it's possible ukrainians would definitely already implement it this is no mm. i don't have any doubts about it so mm. because um a lot of people really working 24 7 mm. IT guys, they're, they're DDoSing websites of Russians and then engineers creating all these miracle things for, with drones. So, yeah, I would be not surprised to see some drones dropping Molotov cocktails. The technology. Yeah. So uh, you have a number of uh, recordings with you, I can see. We're even going to go for uh, some CDs this time. Can you can you say what it is? These drones have to fly fast then because they've got this piece of cloth that's burning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, no, I mystery. can tell you later that you can do Molotov cocktails without uh, burning clothes. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so instructions after this uh, piece of music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what are we playing here then? So you just handed me uh, Zavaloika. Zavaloika? Zavaloika. Yeah. So she made in 2014, uh, during Maidan, we were going and recording streets when people playing whatever drums and molotovs throwing and rocks and uh, she made the track so this release is called volia which in ukrainian means freedom and uh, this track number three on the cd slavlenya it's a track made uh, uh, from the sounds when on 19th of january when the first uh, real clashes started and when the police cars we saw dozens of police cars burning so this basically, this track uh, number three on this EP is made from the sound of the revolting streets. Ah, and it's on, and it was uh, on your label, Kavitnu. Yes. Okay, classic. Here we go.
You're listening to Radio On Berlin with our guest this evening, Dimitro Fedorenko, and that was Zavaloika. Zavaloika. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me something about this track? So, um, in January 2014, um, when uh, Real Fire started with uh, Revolution, uh, people also without any special arrangement, s people just started to use different metal elements and to hit other metal elements on the streets. So it was sort of uh, live drumming, s like hundreds oh. of people were constantly hammering metal over metal or over rocks. And um, kind of Neubarten style. Yes, yes, yes. And then it took like this nonstop for several weeks. Oh. And uh, when police was attacking, people would start to play louder and faster. So it was also like a signal of uh, emergency. Ah. And um, if when we would need to go to sleep to to have some rest at home, and we would not turn off the stream from the streets because when as long as you can hear this drumming, everything is fine uh, in the square. You know, the heartbeat is still going. Yes. Ah. And then we just went with, uh, with the local, we went with our field recorders and with zooms and we recorded vid video and this drum sounds then she made this track f with using these drum sounds and oh. then i made vi visuals for this track uh, with actually people on the streets uh, have ha like hammering this ah so the, this track was made up of those those yes. field recordings yes. from yes. uh 2014 yes. in kiev exactly ah, amazing and renus you were you were just saying that some yeah um Maybe every, everyone, uh, a lot of people do this. And go Rins has brought his glasses this time. And go, yeah, so that I can read actually what I'm saying. <laughs> and I go through a lot of uh, social media and then I saw one of the articles that, that was so clear uh, and also so beautiful in its, uh, in its uh, clarity, or in its analysis. Um, that it almost like like uh, cleaned my brain, and it's written by uh, Hu Wei, and he is the vice chairman of the. I'm reading this now. He is the vice chairman of the Public Policy Research Center of the Council's Office of the State Council, chairman of Shanghai Public Policy Research Association, chairman of Academic Committee of the Chahar Institute, a professor and a doctoral supervisor. So he's someone in China. So, yeah. 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 Uh, which means if he's a professor and he comes to this kind of uh, thinking and, and analysis, he must not be the only one. So that might be that uh, on, on other higher levels, uh, the same conclusions are drawn. And maybe it's interesting for uh, the discussion that we have that uh, I uh, that we just go through it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he's got... Three different chapters, and the first chapter is uh, predicting the future of the Russo-Ukrainian war. The first point he says, and uh, we are now here, I go halfway because uh, we know uh, the beginning, the Blitzkrieg, which uh, didn't succeed. Launching a nuclear war would put Russia on the opposite side of the whole world and is therefore unwinnable. The situations both at home and abroad are also increasingly unfavorable. Even if the Russian army were to occupy Ukraine's capital, Kiev, and set up a puppet government at high cost, this would not mean final victory. At this point, Putin's best option is to end the war decently through peace talks, which requires Ukraine to make substantial concessions. 
However, what is not attainable on the battlefield is also difficult to obtain at the negotiation table. In any case, this military action constitutes an irreversible mistake. You want to comment on that? No, let's do Let's continue. <laughs> okay. However, wait. No, actually, I just want to say, because we saw that when we were listening to music, um, one week after the beginning of war, uh, all analysts in Ukraine uh, and also some um, propagandists uh, like deep state in Russia, propaganda, after the first week, they concluded that war is lost by Russia one way or another. So um, Blitzkrieg didn't happen. And even if the miracle happens and they would occupy all Ukraine, they have no resources simply to hold the ground because it's completely um, impossible now to do. And they, they, they uh, didn't expect that everybody, basically, who is in Ukraine will, will be fighting. So yes, I, in this case, I, I really agree on this. Okay, uh, step two towards uh, filling your hearts with hope. The conflict may escalate further and the West's eventual involvement in the war cannot be ruled out. While the escalation of the war would be costly, there's a high probability that Putin will not give up easily given his character and power. The Russo-Ukrainian war may escalate beyond the scope and region of Ukraine and may even include the possibility of a nuclear strike. Once this happens, the US and Europe cannot stay aloof from the conflict, thus triggering a world war or even a nuclear war. The result would be a catastrophe for humanity and a showdown between the United States and Russia. This final confrontation, given that Russia's military power is no match for NATO's, would be even worse for Putin. So, basically he's saying from... Also worse for us all if it becomes a nuclear yeah. sort of, I don't think... Don't mess can. with nukes because that would, would definitely be the end of you. I think there's uh, almost nothing to uh, to add to that. Mm -hmm. well, if you want. No, just one thing that uh, maybe I, we talked about it uh, on Wednesday, that uh, what happened, it big myth of a super strong, amazingly powerful Russian army is gone. Because uh, uh, what we see is we see soldiers who look like homeless people. We see um, super old technology, mil military vehicles who arrived in Ukraine. We, what When our soldiers look in this condition, the Russian army is, now many people start to ask, uh, is it possible that their nukes are in super amazing condition when the whole other army is completely demoralized and basically underdeveloped and, and far from what was declared. So I guess it's also correct. Three, even if Russia manages to seize Ukraine in a desperate gamble, it is still a political hot potato. Russia would thereafter carry a heavy burden and become overwhelmed. Under such circumstances, no matter whether Volodymyr Zelensky is alive or not, Ukraine will most likely set up a government in exile to confront Russia in the long term. Russia will be subject both to Western sanctions and rebellion within the territory of Ukraine. The battle lines will be drawn very long. The domestic economy will be unsustainable and will eventually be dragged down. This period will not exceed a few years. Yes. How long has it been since the invasion began? I think it's uh, 17 days already. 17 days, yes. yeah. I think mm. it's even 18. Today it's 18th, yeah. yes. 
a lot seems to have happened in a very very short time yes and now and you were just talking about uh, well in the what you were reading it's talking about years this this well, was a possibility mm. that if uh, russia yes. occupies uh, ukraine mm. then it will, would take years i think years for russia to fall down uh, it's going much faster everything together also the effect of sanctions every day it's so strong in russia what we see what is happening there and they well uh, so far uh, of reading or people who understand in the war in ukraine none of them even says about one year to continue this mm. so there's some talks in the worst case that this war theoretically can be frozen again which again m mostly people say it's highly unlikely that it can be happening but two years i ne from on my side i never read any article who would even say that one year is still possible but yeah but he's not saying this huh? yeah, yeah that's what i'm this kind of confirming yeah. that's mm. It just says in the, when the occupation is there, it might uh, yep. not exceed a few years. Can can you possibly repeat where where this comes from, Renus, for those who have okay. just joined us? Uh, this is from uh, Hu Wei, and he's a professor and involved in a lot of uh, uh, high-profile uh, organizations. Um, Chinese professor. A Chinese yep. professor. Mm. So and and what I was stating in the beginning that if on such a top intellectual level someone is thinking like this, he cannot possibly be the only one. Mm. So uh, this is this is almost a, a manual uh, to give to uh, diplomats uh, to study and 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 what to use when they uh, start negotiation negotiations. Mm. But we were coming to that because this is the first chapter predicting the future of the Russo-Ukrainian war. And now is the fourth and last point. The political situation in Russia may change or be disintegrated at the hands of the West. After Putin's blitzkrieg failed, the hope of Russia's victory is slim and Western sanctions have reached an unprecedented degree. As people's livelihoods are severely affected, and as anti-war and anti-Putin forces gather, the possibility of a political mutiny in Russia cannot be ruled out. With Russia's economy on the verge of collapse, it would be difficult for Putin to prop up the perilous situation even without the loss of the Russo-Ukrainian war. If Putin were to be ousted from power due to civil strife, could they that or another reason, Russia would be even less likely to confront the West. It would surely succumb to the West or even be further dismembered and Russia's status as a great power would come to an end. But here the, 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 the main thing that uh, he says is uh, the anti-war and anti-Putin forces that would gather and would cause a possible uh, political mutiny. Can you com comment on this or, or on is there anything that you want to say? On anti-war, uh, this is really, uh, we are super skeptical. Ukrainians are extremely skeptical. Uh, so we want something to appear, but I have no idea where it could come from. Because yes, mothers start, maybe they will start to, to ask questions about the killed sons and husbands. But then uh, it's too small force. Some people would say that uh, somebody close to Putin will kill him or something like this, or give him up, and so. But this like is Caesar. Yes, something. But I have no idea how it will end. It, it, the thing is, he can, uh, he, I mean, Putin, he can also stay with sanctions, 
for years and years. This is also a possibility. Uh, but you said that uh, uh, in the first uh, meeting that we had, and we can repeat it here, that Russia is not a country, it's an empire. It's an empire, yes. Um, and the mutiny and the anti-Putin sources, they could also be in, in those separate countries, which I are now part of Russia. Gent, like hope is small, but there's a hope, yes. Mm. Uh, at least Caucasus region, we really looking forward for them to to start doing something. Chechnya and Dagestan. But the things bordering with China and India and, and that's but as saw, far away from me as it is from you. It's you uh, saw already that Japan started to talk about Kuril Islands to bring the, the back the question. So who knows? Maybe also be another force from outside which will mm -hmm. shake the situation. Uh, we cannot say who from inside of the of the Russia. I have no idea who could start it. Uh, somebody should start it. At least this flag which I saw today, which already is something new. Yeah, and there's uh, the the Siberia uh, movement that they they want independence. Um, what we do? I go on because there's two little chapters to follow. I think uh, let's let's go for another CD. Okay, and uh, then we come back to you with the analysis of the impact of Russo-Ukrainian war on international landscape, because this thing is really becoming uh, interesting. Okay, so you're listening to Radio One Berlin, and uh, this is another release from the legendary Kvitnu label of uh, yeah. your label, Dimitro, uh, Muslim Gauze. Yes, this is uh, Eleven Minarets. So let's let's listen to some classical music. Track number one. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Jones, a.k.a. Muslim Gores, 11 Minarets, track one, on the uh, label, Kavitnu, your label, yep. uh, Dimitro. Uh, I want to, now I want to talk about Muslim Gores, but, but you, you, you guys were engaged in a conversation. Let's continue with the article. no one could hear it. Let's continue with this article. Okay. Repeat, Huawei, uh, leading intellectual in, uh, in, uh, in China, and this was an article he read with uh, a prediction of what could happen after uh, the Russia-Russo-Ukrainian war. Now as part two, analysis of the impact of Russo-Ukrainian war on international landscape. Point one, the United States would regain leadership in the Western world and the West would become more united. At present, public opinion believes that the Ukrainian war signifies a complete collapse of U.S. hegemony. <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh, but the war would in fact bring France and Germany, both of which wanted to break away from the U.S., back into the NATO defense framework, destroying Europe's dream to achieve independent diplomacy and self-defense. Germany would greatly increase its military budget. Switzerland, Sweden and other countries would abandon their, their neutrality with Nord Stream 2 put on hold indefinitely, Europe's reliance on U.S. natural gas will inevitably increase. The U.S. and Europe would form a closer community of shared future, and American leadership in the Western world will rebound. Well, this this almost sounds like a prediction that you read in 20 years' time, and say, whoa, in 2022, they, <laughs> they thought like this, uh, because there's a lot of ifs and, 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 uh, and, mm -hmm. and maybes. Um, but, but then again... I don't know if if I if I understand Chinese way of logic, but this to me sounds like uh, this is the development, and you can't come to a different logical conclusion than this and this and this. What he's just stated, because why should there be another way, as France and Germany staying away from uh, from uh, from the U.S. and France and Germany continue uh, to take uh, gas from uh, from Russia. These are all scenarios which which are a little bit from um, impossible to think of right now. So he he makes this very clear vision of of what is going to happen. West more united. Uh, Europe uh, more uh, united with, uh, with with US and thus a shared future and a closer community. Mm. So is this all part of uh, Putin's plan, do you think? It brings everyone together? Then it will be uh, the, mo the most beautiful conspiracy ever <laughs> created on the planet. Uh, but for people, you yeah. know, women, children uh, dying. Uh, then it would be the, the weirdest thing. Yeah. I think the more, let's say, this Akama blade uh, principles, what what seems the more probable is the truth. Mm. So he just pushed too many buttons. Mm. And as we talked, I think, last week, that, yeah, he just thought that it would be, he, he would get away with it again and hope, and apparently it was too much for anyone. Yeah, and, and people cheering from, welcome, finally. Yeah. <laughs> they were shooting us because we were speaking Russia. Russian. Um, okay, point two. The Iron Curtain would fall again, not only from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea, but also to the final confrontation between the Western-dominated camp and its competitors. The West will draw a line, will draw the line between democracies, 
and authoritarian states, defining the divide with Russia as a struggle between democracy and dictatorship. The new Iron Curtain will no longer be drawn between the two camps of socialism and capitalism, nor will it be confined to the Cold War. It will be a life and death battle between those for and, and, and against Western democracy. The unity of the Western world under the Iron Curtain will have a siphon effect on other countries. The US. Indo-Pacific strategy will be consoli consolidated and other countries like Japan will stick even closer to the US, which will form an unprecedentedly broad, democratic, united front. Again, this word united, bringing people together. Yeah. Mm. You want to comment, Sam? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds, sounds probable. <laughs> this 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 sounds so nice like a chief that's cooking and putting the ingredients because he's he's pushing to a, a conclusion of which the the Chinese government and the people over there should say from hmm where do we want to stay because we've got this force that's growing very 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 uh, big and very strong and we've got this man uh, waging a war who's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Should we support him? Or should we try to get in a conversation with this uh, new power that's uh, arising on the horizon? Number three. So the power of the West will grow significantly. NATO will continue to expand and US influence in the non-Western world will increase. After the Russo-Ukrainian war, no matter how Russia achieves its political transformation, it will greatly weaken the anti-Western forces in the world. The scene after the 1991 Soviet and Eastern upheavals may repeat itself. Theories on the end of ideology may reappear. The resurgence of the third wave of democratization will lose momentum and more third world countries will embrace the West. The West will possess more hegemony both in terms of military power and in terms of values and institutions. Its hard power and soft power will reach new heights. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I should not correct you. We can edit all this out. Whoever's uh, listening to this live, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's unique. Li that's why live shows are unique, which is can't chop and chase and chop and paste. and. Okay, and Huawei now uh, presents a dish to, uh, to China. China will become more isolated under the established framework. For the above reasons, if China does not take proactive measures to respond, it will encounter further containment from the US and the West. Once Putin falls, the US will no longer face two strategic compet competitors, but only have to lock China in strategic containment. Europe will further cut itself off from China. Japan will become the anti-China vanguard, South Korea will further fall to the US, Taiwan will join the anti-China chorus, and the rest of the world will have to choose sides under hurt under, under mentality. China will not only be militarily encircled by the US, NATO, the Quad and AUKUS, but also by, be challenged by Western values and systems. So this, this, he's, he's really massaging the minds of uh, the people in China now. Well, this sounds uh, really impeccable prediction, kind of. But let's uh, let's um, put one um, hesitant point. What if Trump becomes president again? Again, <laughs> how all this prediction will look? 
Yeah. You made the prediction on Radio On Berlin on March the 13th. I'm lucky for some. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, but anything can happen. But I think yeah. once bitten, twice shy. Like with Bre- if Brexit ever happened again, and dare I compare, you know, American elections and uh, Europe uh, and uh, uh, the disunited kingdom coming out of, uh, of um, Europe again, uh, I think more people would have voted because I think it was based on, like myself, thinking it's never going to happen. The UK is never going to leave the European Union. It would be a disaster. And I think with Trump as well, a lot of people thought, no, he's never going to do it. And they didn't vote. And that was the thing. And I think, yeah, once bitten, twice shy, you know, the, the people won't be fooled again, I think. Okay, but uh, what about France? Do they have a new president already or not? Yeah, Napoleon. I think Joachim <laughs> Phoenix is now going to play Napoleon the, the 14th or something, and he will sweep through Europe and then uh, go into Russia. And No, those elections are now, and uh, both Le Pen and, and the other one, they, they are in, in, in extreme uh, embarrassing uh, situations because uh, they, they start to get away from... Uh, we liked Putin. from the sponsor so they start to uh, they try to spin the story of, of how uh, much friends they were it's it's a bit like uh, Salvini the Italian uh, yes. w- w- did he even make it to being the prime minister if um, I don't know <laughs> uh, anyway uh, he, he made a rocket career in, in, in Italy and now is one of the uh, big influential uh, politicians over there and, and two years ago he was on the red square wearing a white t-shirt with the face of Putin in black and white wearing the Mi- soldier mili- military hat yeah. military hat oh. and uh, sticking up his thumb as everybody does who <laughs> uh, makes a picture for social media and now he was in, in Poland visiting uh, a little border town and the Polish uh, mayor of that uh, border town came to the press conference and he held up uh, the, the T-shirt that Salvini was wearing <laughs> at that time <laughs> and holding a long, a very short, uh, a very strict sounding uh, speech in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Polish. And at the end, he uh, said to Salvini, no respect for you. Ah, yeah, uh, it was a good video. Yeah. And then the Italians who were there, they were... Uh, they start to shout, go home, you idiot, go home, you <laughs> clown. What are you doing here? And uh, then he went away, but tail behind his legs, off between his legs. Yeah. And on that note, uh, let's play another CD, another track. Yeah. What have you got here? That looks the same colours. Uh, the one you're passing me looks the same co- colours of uh, of Muslim gores that we just played. But this again is again Zavaloka. Uh, Let's play. Just choose any track you want from this. Any album. a random uh, yes. a number. Let's. Uh, anyone got a number out there in Radio Land? Hold on. I hear one, a three. One, one, one moment. Um, <laughs> be- because this this piece is also now I remember that uh, long time ago I, I uh, read a book by a Chinese author and uh, he won the Nobel Prize and I don't know his name anymore because I'm bad with names. And it was a great, 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 great book. But the book also reminded me a little bit of the structure of uh, of Chinese opera. And in the beginning, the Chinese opera is all very calm. It's like, <laughs> and and they sing. Rina's doing an impression of <laughs> Chinese <laughs> opera. And they're going, jing, 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 And then at the end, everyone <laughs> plays together and everyone sings together. And then it finishes. It, it ends just in complete chaos. And, and, and maybe that's also what... what uh, 
the Chinese way of reasoning is. So uh, after this track, I w- we will talk a little bit, of course, about uh, this uh, CD. But then we continue with the last and final uh, part of uh, Huawei's uh, analysis, 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 analysis of the situation and what uh, could come out. Leadership and dominance hegemony. Yeah. Okay, uh, the next track, Zavaloika. Uh, Zavaloika is track three. What's the name on track three there? Because the artwork is so beautiful here. It's a, track it's three a, is called Ramovica. Oh, okay, you've chosen the track. Uh, it's also, again, about this, uh, uh, as we played from Variat, from my album, uh, this instrument which made in mountains from the burned tree. Ah. And this burned tree is called Ramovica. Amazing. Okay, here we go. Thank you. 
Zavalorka on Radio on Berlin, courtesy of our guest this evening, Dmitro Fedorenko. You you were talking about America when our audience couldn't uh, listen. Because yeah, I was asking Rinus, uh, and uh, maybe also was checking, uh, I was not following the news uh, so much outside uh, what is going on inside of the USA, for example. Because before the war uh, started, the polarization was, it seems like, the maximum point in this country. Uh, but I don't know what is going on there now. What uh, what Republicans are saying, Democrats, are they... St- so did it? Did they came closer one millimeter towards each other? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Weren't they clapping together unusually uh, like a week ago or something like that? And then they sat all sat down and went to their opposite uh, sides or... Renus, you you were just talking about. I'm 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 the same as uh, as as Dimitri that uh, that all my all my attention is uh, focused on on uh, on Ukraine and, mm. and what people outside say tell about it. There's few few uh, messages that that come through of what uh, is going on in the United States, but maybe we know uh, the next time. Mm. Um, for our listeners, we are doing this uh, specials with uh, Dimitri. We have a, uh, we know Dimitri since uh, 2013, 2014 as Radio On when we uh, were in touch with him. Then, when he lived in Kiev and was part of the Maidan uh, uprising and uh, gave us uh, weekly reports of what was going on. And now he's living in, in Berlin, highly involved in, uh, in say, the grassroots uh, organizations and, and initiatives uh, here in Berlin on uh, organizing every kind of help that can be uh, distributed to uh, refugees here and everywhere else. Where am I going? Oh, yeah. Uh, we call this uh, uh, radio uh, specials Radio on Ukraine. And if you go to our website, radio-on-berlin, and just uh, look for Radio on Ukraine. Dot com. Yep, you will find a lot of links on how to help and how to get uh, yourself uh, informed. Uh, and maybe next time we know a little bit more about the situation in the uh, U.S. in regards to uh, Ukraine situ- situation. Okay. Dimitro, um, what surprised you about things that are, that are happening at the moment? What sort of things have uh, you thought you couldn't believe, you know? As far as help is concerned and, and things like that. Maybe that uh, from the beginning and now it feels that uh, every everyone is on our side. Mm. And uh, everyone who is anyone, uh, everyone who is good person, who is good country, who is even surprising countries um, on our side. Of course, this was the most, I would say, surprising and uh, positive. Mm about what is happening when you're on the uh, demonstrations do you do you speak to people when they're around or often co- conversations start how also d- ah. also um i don't know of course uh, how many people from each, each country are there but it definitely feels that uh, i don't know more than half probably are not ukrainians there mm. and uh, this is also really super amazing i see all this uh, I see many flags. I see. I don't know why. I really like to see Syrian flags. I like to see flags from from Georgia, and from Belarus. And uh, it's really. It feels like um, something incredible happening. Mm. And Ukraine pushed some this everything about Ukraine. This war 
somehow pushed the buttons in many hearts in many minds mm. on political big level and small level and this is this is the most uh, impressive now mm. some of the criticisms this week that i heard and i and i think it probably just doesn't help because it just uh, it seems to divide people even more um when we should when it's good maybe putin's plan to divide people or any, any kind of dictator but uh the war in syria the war in afghanistan um in iraq um weapons of mass destruction was the one of the reasons that the uk was you know involved in this and and actually nothing was found in the end and this week uh we heard that um the americans thought that uh, uh that putin was going to plant a red flag of uh, chemical weapons in in ukraine and then lo and behold like a, a day later or something like that all this starts coming out that perhaps you know that uh, saying that oh yeah that there are that there are weapons in what can you say about that they they already started to talk since a few days mm. that they found bio labs uh, in ukraine which mm. were founded by usa i think last time maybe we talked about that they that uh, uh, even covid most probably was made in ukraine uh, found, uh, founded <laughs> by uh, usa also another myth that in this biological laboratories in Ukraine, Ukraine was producing um, bioweapons which at, can target special nationalities or races. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, this this was the, the f- one of the fresh things. Also, they are talking about, uh, this was also one of the new moments uh, on Chernobyl, nuclear power plant, ah, yes. which mm. was taken the first. Um, I think yesterday we read that uh, right after it was taken, Rosatom, which is a Russian nuclear power plant kind of administration, they came there immediately. Mm. And another thing besides bio laboratories, Russians were like are now pushing that Ukraine was and is preparing dirty nuke. Mm. So it's also a second thing is expecting. They're controlling the Chernobyl power plant and there's a lot of nuclear waste stored there. Mm. So with the rhetorics about <laughs> Ukrainian preparing dirty nukes and they're controlling the nuclear waste depositories, who knows what will happen. Yeah. But uh, yes, there are similarities. And of course, we are, we are thinking about uh, Iran, Afghanistan. But now, yeah, I don't know what to say in this. Yeah. Iran, yeah. yeah. Iran, yeah. Also, no, mm. I- Iran also today, uh, I think where I think today a U.S. embassy was bombed. Oh. In, in Iran, I think so. Oh, or Iraq. I, I don't remember oh. actually. Uh, no, one, 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 or one was shooting another, and that was already. It was just briefly. I saw it in the morning. Mm. I cannot say exactly, mm. but there was at least I saw photos. There was some fire, and mm. we can go in depth. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's yeah. It's it. History just seems to be repeating itself so much, and also of uh, the amount of propaganda that's around. Uh, no doubt. Um, Putin's uh, guys are working in some bunker somewhere uh, trying to draw up plans for the next idea or, or the propaganda, you know, that that's the thing, isn't it? It's a, also a war of propaganda. They know, try. Yeah, and, and trying to convince um, ordinary Russians, you know, that that this has to be done. Uh, or, or, or as Jason Oney said today, or just locking up your own population if they don't agree with you and that that's something that um that mustn't be forgotten as well that you know in a in a free state or something you are are allowed to say what you think and and this was this was ukraine 
Am I right in saying that? You mean about freedom to speak whatever you want? Yeah. Of course, it's always mm. it was always like this. Mm. We the we, I don't think we ever had the situation when uh, all TV channels would speak the same messages. Right. Ever, even when we before Maidan, uh, when our ex-president Yanukovych, he wanted to to have it like this, but it was not possible. We always have many points of view. Uh, before the war, we had TV channels. Hopefully, now they united and they all all twenty four seven um, transmitting news. But we always have at least I don't know three four points of view happening, mm. and it was never a problem to speak out. Also. As on symbolic level, uh, we have the highest number of different religion confessions in Ukraine mm. in the world. I think maybe only USA, maybe maybe more. We have the uh, highest number of Christians, uh, Orthodox, Catholics, Greek Catholics, Protestant. We even have Mormons there. Oh. We uh, and we have uh, obviously Jews and Muslims, mm. and nobody is fighting nobody. So this is one of the moment. If you want to build your church, go ahead. Mm. Nobody will ever, and it never happened that anyone would go and, and tell you anything. Mm. So when it comes to feeling of freedom, mm. I always felt it like this. That was actually the, one of the reasons conceptually why uh, Maidan happened and why it was also, after all, supported by some um, by some oligarchs, it, and in a way, somehow, because Yanukovych wanted to equalize everyone. He wanted all every all oligarchs all tv channels on news everybody speaking the same so-called truth mm. and nobody liked it mm. so it it would never work i don't i really don't think that ukraine is kind of capable to have aristoc to have this dictatorship mm. style it's um, you know we have this this um, joke about ourselves um you know what the term hetman means it's kind of a leader so you know in ukraine we never had a, a monarchy we all, all our leaders since ancient times were all elected. Oh, wow. Um, uh, since at least 400 years. And uh, this hetman, the leader who was elected, so we have a joke about oursel ourselves. F where two Ukrainians meet, there are three hetmans. So, you know, it's, um, they're always, for two, let's say, for two Ukrainians, three kings. Oh. Uh, when, when we, so we, we always have more, uh, more opinions than people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you briefly talk about Ukrainian humor? What's the what is a you you just mentioned a joke there based on the mon uh, the non monocorial is that right? That sounds like a butterfly. Um, I need to think what what should come up. When <laughs> 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 if it comes up, I will, I will tell you. We have many jokes about uh, jokes about ourselves mm -hmm. about practicality and um, well, one of the recent jokes mm. is that. Uh, one uh, there are two neighbors in the village one neighbor killed russian soldier and another one didn't and for him it's a tragedy like because the, the neighbor is better than me now oh, oh. <laughs> God. war jokes yes war jokes obviously. but there but there yeah yeah of course there's a there's a history if, if something of humor. Come, if, if something yeah. come, comes up during talk i will, I will well i mean talk. uh yeah talking about that but not even realizing uh, uh zelensky was was a uh, Comedian, he, he, wasn't was he, or comedian. he was a bad comedian. <laughs> he was low-level comedian. <laughs> I mean, he was—he uh, made his uh, his uh, whatever money, anything, but 
by wo- could do, but yeah. working on TV and doing his movies and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was um, low-level jokes addressing uh, people who don't really have much education. And so, uh, on. so it's kind also of like minority jokes and things. Uh, like but this, it, there were many people who yeah. liked it somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. uh, let's say anything about him before the war started. I'm not so big fan. So mm. now, now he turned on his badass guy mm. uh, from the bad neighborhood, so to mm. say, and it works well. But as a comedian, no. Mm. And uh, are there more moments <laughs> of him that you thought from uh, here is the badass? Well, because uh, last time you said from uh, let him come here, let him sit at this table, these uh, taxi driver moments that he had. Are there, are there more in recent times? No, since these three days, I didn't see any 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 like this. I just uh, I am just happy to see him when because often we see him. I think he sleeps like maybe one hour a, a day, and when I see him fresh, I'm kind of happy that they managed to put him to sleep and and, and to and wash his face a little yeah. because he's he looks completely exhausted, yeah. extremely exhausted. So n- there were no uh, at least I can't remember any of this since four days. And yourself, Dimitro. Uh, Last week you were saying you were sleeping three nights. Uh, no, not three nights. Three hours a night. We How? have. Um, we tried to to find a way, not to, really deliberately, not to stay always on minor side of the situation because then you can go crazy. Mm. And uh, for instance, uh, Zaloka and me, we have a few independent journalists mm. uh, who are doing their streams every day, and we like to watch them because. Um, they, in addition to showing the bad news, they also always show something to laugh about. Mm-hmm. For instance, they would they would show uh, the reactions of some uh, Instagram superstars in Russia who are crying because they don't have Instagram anymore. They, uh, they can go to eat in Mac- in McDonald's and mm-hmm. how they and they make all these videos, mm-hmm. how they <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't understand why it's going on or mm-hmm. some some. Um, some people who can make really good jokes mm. even now about the situation wow. or showing uh, Ukrainian soldiers who are uh, talking about um, well, they talk about something which happened like an hour ago when they were fighting and they still can manage to make jokes mm. this is also one of Ukrainian things uh, we, we had it since uh, ancient times when Cossacks um, to go in the fight and before this you have to humiliate as many jokes as possible to your enemy <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this this com- this uh, this always present mm. and um, we try to find it at every day at least something positive mm. something funny even laughing at your enemy it's mm. always funny when you can find something mm. so this kind of important to to balance your emotions mm. otherwise you can end up in complete desperation mm. on that note let's uh, play another track Let's play maybe Pansonic. You have CD. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Tell us about Pansonic, because uh, they were on your label, Kavitnu, as well. Formerly known as Panasonic, but I think they were threatened by some major company that I cannot think of the name of uh, in this p- particular moment. But yeah. Well, then uh, in the times when I was also making festivals and concerts, and uh, they were on my list of must do, must invite. And I managed to first invited Mika Venio, and then mm. um, apparently he liked being in Ukraine, and uh, he promised me that they will come together with Ilpo. And in 2009, uh, they finally came, even though that Mika was heavily injured, 
by some accident. So ah. he had some uh, operations and still he managed to come, I think two months after this incident. Mm. And they played an ama amazing set. And um, I prepared recording with high quality microphones with sound engineer and asked them if it's okay if I will record it. They said yes. And then um, it took five years um, so they can tell me that they would tell me, yeah, let's let's do this release. Mm. And e eventually it went really well. It also helped Kvitnu to come on some sort of next level. Mm. Yeah. And this one's a special edition of uh, 300 copies. Only. It's a second edition because the first, oh, second edition. first, oh, yes, first yes, yes. one uh, we made on vinyl, uh, double vinyl and CD. Mm. It was well sold out uh, in 2015 already everything was gone. And then we would receive, I, I never planned to do a re-edition. I don't like to do these things. And okay. then, <laughs> uh, but then we received so many emails asking, okay, it, and the prices for vinyl went crazy, uh, like 100 something euros for a copy. And then I asked Ilpo if he allows me to make another run of CDs and vinyls, limited edition, but mm. then again, for people who want to have it. And he said, yes, and we did it. Actually, and we did it in the first COVID year. Mm. Yeah, Actually, uh, this album uh, this album has interesting history because um, the release date we put on 18th of February originally 2014, and it was the day when uh, the end of Maidan was with shootings. Oh. So kind of this album was sort of baptized with fire, mm. and then this re-edition started when uh, so we, when we planned it, and then COVID started. Mm. So this album was um, kind of a hard child to to do, but it was released good and successful. It seems like people liked it. And and uh, can you choose a number between one and eight? Let's play the last one. Eight. Oh, the last track. Yes. Uh, it was bonus track because <laughs> then when they stopped performing and then uh, they were surprised that people were really cheering and girls brought them flowers, then Mika was melting from it <laughs> completely. Uh, I think it was the first time when he received flowers after his performance from girls. Oh. <laughs> and uh, everybody was asking them, so they played one more bonus, uh, bonus track. So this is uh, the, this bonus additional track they performed live. Okay, so this is Panasonic. Uh, it was a live concert in Kiev, Ukraine. Okay.
it's not the end of the night. That was not the uh, close down for television stations all over the planet. That was Pansonic on uh, Dimitro's former label, Kvitnu. I'm going to say Kvitnu now from Kvitnu. now on. Kvitnu. Yeah, that's how you say it properly, isn't it? Kvitnu. Think. Kvitnu. Yeah. yeah, look them up. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, K-V-I-T-N-U. Many, many. Uh, well, all. Uh, everything I've heard has been incredible on this, on, on your former label. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out about the history, then listen to the last show that we did with uh, Dimitra Fedorenko now live in the studio. Um, the the war in uh, Ukraine now, you were just talking about phosph phosphorus. Phosphorus bombs. Mm. That Russia used phosphorus bombs uh, last night. Oh, which is uh, again one of the absolutely forbidden types of weapons. It's against the Geneva Convention. Yes, am I right in saying? Yes, and uh, when it explodes, this white phosphorus, it burns uh, until all phosphorus is gone, and it burns. I think it's up to eight hundred degrees Celsius, and it burns everything in a few hundred square meters around it. So it kind of explodes in the air. And um, and it brings um, not only like people die, but also a lot of damages that people become like sick for to till the end of their lives, and this and people really suffer a lot. So it, it's not only about killing, mm. but also about uh, hurting people for the rest of their lives who were in, affected by these bombs. And they used it tonight. Uh, where whereabouts was that in uh, Ukraine? This now I cannot say. Mm, mm. This I this I cannot recall. But this I is read something like Luke or Lu Lutsk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is uh, yeah. It's also more to the west. It's also one of the cities where. So when they start tonight, they made uh, move to more to the west of the country. Mm. Okay, Renus, you were reading out. Yeah, what again, probably. Probably uh, for our, our uh, listeners that have just joined us, we have to explain a little bit. Okay, this is uh, an article uh, written by uh, Hu Wei, who is one of, uh, say, the top-level uh, intellectuals in uh, in, uh, in China. Also, in uh, some uh, influence, he has some influential uh, positions, and this is written, which is the most interesting uh, part of it. Uh, I think uh, one week or two weeks before uh, there will be a meeting uh, between China and the US. I think they're working on that and that should be in Rome if I remember well, but uh, don't uh, take me on that. There are four uh, points. Um, I can read them all because it's all a build-up, but I can also read uh, the, the fourth and last one, which is more or less uh, the conclusion and which is also the most uh, well, the, the most hope can be uh, distracted from. So what do you want? You want to hear all the points or you want to hear the last point? The last point. The last point. <laughs> okay. China should prevent the outbreak of world wars and nuclear wars and make irreplaceable contributions to world peace. As Putin has explicitly requested Russia's strategic deterrent forces to enter a state of special combat readiness, the Russo-Ukrainian war may spiral out of control. A just cause attracts much support. An unjust one finds little. This might be a saying in China. 
Mm-hmm. This is so so good. Seems a like just cause attracts much support. An unjust one finds little. If Russia instigates a world war or even a nuclear war, it will surely risk the world's turmoil. To demonstrate China's role as a responsible major power, China not only cannot stand with Putin, but also should take concrete actions to prevent Putin's possible adventures. China is the only country in the world with this capability, and it must give full play to this unique advantage. Putin's departure from China's support will most likely end the war, or at least not dare to escalate the war. As a result, China will surely win widespread international praise for maintaining world peace, which may help China prevent isolation, but also find an opportunity to improve its relations relations with the United States and the West. If this is going to happen, then that's also your answer to what will happen if Trump will become the president. Mm -hmm. He will be welcomed by China Mm -hmm. and he will be a very good country and he will be uh, very, I've got some very good friends over there and he will be very happy to uh, continue his business with them and build a Trump Tower wherever they want to have a Trump Tower. But this is this is like uh, this is like like uh, putting putting a flea or putting a, 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 a minor uh, minor microphone a minor loudspeaker in, uh, in the delegation the Chinese delegation from people listen uh, you can standing with Putin means that every that we will have. Uh, to face major complications, and if we turn off, uh, turn away from Putin, we uh, can uh, look forward to uh, a good uh, coexistence with, uh, with the United States. And I think they will choose for money, and the most easy way because that's China. What I understand with Feng Shui, so everything <laughs> flows in a natural way to what what is uh, the most uh, logical way. But uh, okay, it's not my country; it's your country. Um, Dimitro. Uh, but, but somebody says one one um, one Russian propagandist Solovyov, one of the heavy hardcore Goebbels style guys, Putin friends. He said, uh, I think last week, that he was surprised that uh, its sanctions show that it's not about money. That uh, companies are choosing uh, this, all these big companies and small companies are choosing to lose money on the Russian market, but they're choosing principles, and he was not expecting it. And uh, he also didn't, uh, and some, and then someone else later, I don't remember who said that now, sanctions, it's um, why many companies are moving away from Russia, even when they're not told to do it. Because basically it's about, are you standing on the same side with uh, the worst asshole in the world now, or not? So probably also with China will be, um, now, it's it's so it's not even black and white. It's ultra black and white. I think now. we have to write a letter to the Pope because if uh, Putin is sacrificing himself well, willingly, he must be made saint immediately because mm-hmm. he puts credibility back into uh, into politics. He puts the heart back into the population. Everything uh, looks very like we 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 are going to a very happy uh, era once. The war was over. There was a, actually the joke about it when there was a photo of Pope uh, shaking hands to Putin and saying, you know, in your case, suicide is not a sin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
in the same box. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a moment of uh, pause there. I can we can feel it. Uh, so, um, Dimitro, uh, how can people uh, help once again? How can people support Ukraine? Um, you put last time this uh, link mm. on this um, uh, Come Back Alive mm. website. Yeah. It's one uh, one of the, to my point, one of the most important activities now in Ukraine. Ah. They are located in Kiev, not mm. only there, but basically it's people who are on the front line and they support um, uh, they support territorial defense, first of all, and they also support to evacuate people from destroyed cities now. Mm. So if uh, if you can go to this link and send any amount of money to these guys, it's not some sort of NGO, it's mm. not some bureaucracy, big foundation. It's just few guys in the office sitting, and they're collecting money and buying the most important things every day. So it would be one thing. So that's com- comebackalive.com. Yes. Is that right? Come back alive. In UA. Yeah, just making sure. Oh, come, yes. The yes. comebackalive. In, in dot UA. In dot UA. Yeah. I think this is the this is the website. Mm. I, th- I think you can look it up on the radio on website because mm. you, you put it. It is. It's uh, on yes, the front it's, page. It's, it's yeah. there. So this, um, to my point of view, this is one of the most important things. Mm. Also, um, maybe if you want, we can put my I don't know my email because there's some support needed, which uh, it's I would say needed much faster and more personal level. Mm. Because for instance, uh, no, even some some things we don't even put online in open source, so to say. Yeah. Because there are a lot of sensitive information, also sensitive things which which is needed to be gathered and bought. Mm. And sometimes we are discussing questions which are well, let's say they should be discussed privately. So a lot of, a lot of things needed. So. This come back alive. It, this is absolutely for sure. Mm. It's really good. Uh, also, if um, I, I allow myself to say, if you are thinking of donating to Red Cross, please send your money to come back alive. Mm. Uh, allow me not to explain why, but just believe me, and maybe after war is over, uh, when everything is good, I will explain you afterwards that maybe it's better to give some local initiatives money. Mm. Yes. War is over. Give peace a chance. I remember having this uh, CD of uh, Yoko Ono and John Lennon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, give peace a chance. Uh, Dimitro, thank you very much for coming into the studio today. Uh, I have a a small field recording that I made today at the demo. Uh, This was in front of the Brandenburg uh, Brandenburg tour. And uh, people were singing there in front of the video screen, which, Mm -hmm. uh, as we said earlier, was uh, trying to uh, protect the skies of Ukraine, because at the moment, as we can see, none of the Western powers are able to actually go in and and do any of this, even though we have so many drones and satellites and all all this stuff in this uh, technological world that we live in. But in any case, um, we hope that uh, uh, these things will happen. And this seems to be uh, what 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 people were saying today. But yeah, but uh, so first of all, yeah, this um, uh, on March thirteenth, twenty twenty two. This was the uh, small sort of field recording of people singing in front of the Brandenburger Tour to support Ukraine. Thank you very much once again for coming in, Dimitro. Thank you very much for having and, me. And uh, and there will be many many more um, 
uh, episodes. No, no, no. Well. We don't need Marina. many, many more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> best, best is that this yes. would be the last one. Oh, it would. Yeah. It, it would always be the best. And and, yeah. and if you come back, it's like from uh, our Berlin uh, life. It's, uh, yes, <laughs> it's true. Okay, thank you. Oh, my God. 
Listening to Radio on Berlin. Yeah. <laughs>